We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. special guest in the building he's got an excellent first name it's alex Rateras from nick's fan tv on the blue wire podcast network alex what's going on man i'm good alex i'm glad to be talking to somebody with the same name as i am a nice change of pace and uh i know i also know we got a fat fauci over here not fauci not fauci but i will call you doctor i will call you doctor for the show though oh this is great i I love it so if, if we know that uh, Fachi is a doctor of anything, it's the doctor of loving Obi Top. And this man has Let's been go. emphatic about the Pacers getting someone in your guys' backyard for a long time. And so we were, you know, hearing the rumblings last year about Obi Top and for Chris Duarte, and that mm-hmm. didn't really come to fruition. And then we see Chris Duarte traded to the Kings, a roster spot's opening. We're like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden we hear shortly after Obi Toppin going to the Pacers. We didn't know what it was going to be. Uh, I guess we did know draft pick wise. We didn't know what the Kings deal was going to be, but Obi Toppin becomes a Pacer for two second round picks. I guess when you heard that was the initial trade, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, not surprised in all honesty, just because on the Knicks, he wasn't, he didn't get to showcase his talents, right? Yeah. Averaging about, you know, this past season, about 12, min- 12 to 15 minutes per game. Last season, about 17 minutes per game. And those numbers are all inflated due to the end of the season where he was getting starters and level minutes. But, you know, when you have someone like Julius Randle in front of him who's playing at an all-NBA, all-star level, it's hard for him, especially on a Tom Thibodeau team where to- where Tibbs likes to utilize the starters, gives them like 36-plus minutes. It's hard for someone like Obi Toppin to get some minutes especially when you're competing, like I said, with an all-star, all-NBA level talent. But, you know, fans, we all looked at it like, how could he be utilized more? What are moments that we can he can get out there, like especially out in transition for a team that lacked pushing the pace at times? Like when we got Josh Hart, whether it was Derrick Rose too, 
that's when Obi Toppin was utilized the best, more so with Derrick Rose than uh, Josh Hart, just because he didn't have enough time to develop that chemistry after the trade. But you saw when anyone was able to push the pace, that's when you saw Obi Toppin's talents come to uh, come out on the court. But overall, it's just been a difficult time when you just have somebody blocking you and Tibbs also doesn't believe his let's let me rephrase it. Since Tibbs is not an offensive guy, yeah, <laughs> Obi's not gonna get playing time. That that's that's plain and simple. Obi's more of an offensive driven player than he is defensively. Tibbs didn't believe in his defense. And there you have why he's not getting enough time on the New York Knicks. But hopefully he gets those opportunities in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, some of those opportunities you talked about. I mean, this graphic just it was blowing up. Obi Toppin's 15 career starts, averaged a hair under 21 points per game, about six rebounds, three assists, and the shooting percentages were phenomenal, about 58% and 44% from three. We obviously know, hey, end of the season, two of those games against the Pacers, I mean, just kills us. You know, drops, I think it was like 31 and, and 33 or 32 and 34, whatever it was. So you see when he got an opportunity – he produced. However, mm-hmm. now he's stepping into a spot where, say, he's to get maybe 25 minutes per game, and maybe he's a starter, maybe he's not, but a consistent every night role. What do you think the potential of Obi Toppin can be in a fast-paced style of offense that fits his game? What do I think it could be? I think, you know, I don't want to claim that he'd be like an all-star or superstar or anything like that. I think he'll be a solid role player, man. I think he would be a solid four. Uh especially if your team is looking to focus mostly on offense. I think with Halliburton, those guys are going to be running the court. I mean, you got Benedict Matherin out there too. I think with that type of roster, if Rick Carl is looking to push the pace, look for easy transition scoring for Obi Toppin, he'll bend the defense in that manner. So I think he can get you some good minutes. I mean, he's not going to kill you defensively. Uh, and, and just to give you an idea, when it was game four against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tibbs, let Obi close out the game without Randall, right? So, and Randall wasn't necessarily playing uh, well that series, game in and game out. But for Tibbs, for a guy who wants defense, trusted Obi enough to close out a game, a critical game four in order to take a 3-1 lead on the Cavs. So he's not going to kill you defensively. He's not going to be a defensive stalwart either. But if you can get him in transition, if you can find – mismatches where he has like a smaller defender on him in the post. Um, you know, if you were able to find him uh, open from three, he can knock down some shots. He's not like, he's going to give some you some UFOs from, from downtown. Don't get me, don't get it wrong because even though he shot 35%, you know, not so great, but that was never his skill set. And for that, for Tibbs who wanted this team to shoot more threes, the fact that he shot 35%, on like five attempts per game should give you an indication on how much Obi puts in the work in order to improve in, in his weaker aspects of his game. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I didn't watch a ton of the Knicks. I mean, I watch them in the playoffs and stuff like that, but you know, trying to cover the Pacers for 82 games is difficult to watch other teams, but I'm curious. You. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious though. There's been some, you know, questions like could Obi top and play some small ball five and, I think that he's got the height and with the, the league being more positionless than it's ever been, the Pacers already have four centers on the roster aside, you know, from the, the two power forwards they have in Jairus Walker and Obi Toppin. But is there any scenario where you can see Obi kind of playing that small ball five with this Pacers team that wants to get out and run? 
I don't know if small ball five, I don't know if I would want him at the five, in all honesty. Like in college, that's what he was essentially at Dayton, right? He was a small ball five, always got him out in transition, uh, found him, found mismatches for him in the post, like I said. Um, that's another strength of his game. Uh, I, if anything, you'd want him at the four, in my opinion, yeah. just because, you know, you got Jairus Walker. I'd I'd more so have Jairus Walker at the five if you're going to go if you're going to run out of small ball lineup with Obi at the four, then vice versa. Just because strength wise, like Obi will have some time, will have some difficulty guarding larger opponents based on his frame. Um, also, he's not that great laterally. Like that's something that. When you watch his game, like he could switch, but if you got a quicker defend, a quicker opponent on him, it's going to be tough for him to 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 switch and, and just stick to the hip. So, for for him, I'd say the four, just because, <clears throat> you know, with his athleticism, he'll be able to jump out the roof. He'll get out transition. He could be, uh, he could keep up with opponents in that aspect. But I, I wouldn't put him at the five. You know. 74%, and I, I think that's a great point because, look, everybody always sees, before I get to my next point, I was going to mention, is, like, he played 100% of his minutes at, at the four. And then some people say, well, could he play the three? Could he play the five? And, and you, you know, you, you feel that he's most comfortable at the four. It's interesting, but the Pacers, they, they got a lot of talent at small forward right now. You have Jarris Walker also now at the four, so it feels like it's probably going to be split between Obi and Jarris Walker. But if he could play some minutes at a small ball five, it would be helpful. But here's the thing. 74% of OB shots came at the rim last year. We know he loves, in transition, one of the most effective players in the league. Halliburton loves to push the pace. However, that three ball you talked about before, it's never looked great at spurts. It's been all right. Do you think he could develop more into being a shooter compared to just basically being strictly, hey, this is a dunker? Oh, absolutely. I think he, I think he can. There's, you know, I know he's trained with some uh, NBA trainers around the league where uh, they've been trying to work on his mid-range shot, you know, but with that also comes opportunity. Uh, I think he could take people off the dribble if you give him that type of chance as well. I think there's more to his game that we weren't able to see just because minutes, right? It just comes down to minutes and him feeling comfortable, not being afraid of being pulled. And that's something that he talked about over the last two seasons was building that confidence, right? Uh, when players have that confidence, they can go out there, try to perform, and they perform at a higher level. And he always talked about how he was looking over his shoulder when he was going to get pulled, especially in his second year from Tom Thibodeau, just because, you know, you have the whole Randall uh, Obi dilemma over here. So if he's given that opportunity to have some confidence to really experiment on the court, I think you'll be a little bit more impressed with what he can do. I'm not saying he's, once again, I'm not saying he's going to be this otherworldly NBA talent getting you all-star uh, type numbers, but I think he could be a productive player if you get, if, if Rick Carl can give him those opportunities to just get some like high post uh, jumpers face up. I think if he gets an opportunity to face up and attack the basket, you'll be impressed with what he can do um, from three. I think he can improve as a three point shooter. I think he can prove like just getting a jumper overall. We've seen it in spurts. It's just getting those repetitions in for him to be comfortable. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the position that he'll be playing next to, and that's the center, because mm -hmm. Mitchell Robinson is a much mm -hmm. different player than Miles Turner. For sure. How do you think Obi Toppin playing next to Miles Turner opens up his game in a different way? I think it's even better, to be honest with you. Um, Mitch clogs the paint, but what Mitch does defensively 
it, it's it's top tier, right? His ability mm-hmm. to switch on the perimeter, guard smaller uh, guard smaller opponents. Uh, his rim protection is on another level as well. Offensive rebounding, like there's stuff that Mitchell Robinson does on the defensive side that Knicks need him out there. But because of that, it shrinks the court for guys like Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle. That's why for Knicks fans, everyone was talking about, oh, maybe we should go get Miles Turner. Maybe we should go, you know, get this center that can go stretch the floor to open up the open up the paint and the driving lanes for these guys. And I'm like, I hear you, but I think there's other ways to to improve that as well. But regardless, I think for someone like Obi Toppin, if you give him a stretch five like Miles Turner, I, it once again opens up the lane for him to really attack. No, no one really got to see Obi put the ball on the deck that often and really attack the basket. And, and I'm not going to say he's lethal at it, but there's moments where you see, like in those moments, that's the thing. We've only had moments with Obi Toppin in New York. When you see those moments, you're like, okay, there's something there. Maybe if we give him more repetitions, he can do it. I mean, I can look at when he played against Toronto, the Wizards last season in year two, he put the ball on the deck, was able to drive, finish, use a spin move. He can do those things. So with having someone like Miles Turner over there that can really open up the the driving lanes, open up the pay for him, he could be able to do something. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to dominate if he's matched up against another four. But if you if you have Miles Turner pulling out, right, if you have him outside of the paint at the three-point line, you get that switch onto a smaller opponent, you drop it into Obi Toppin, he can use that verticality to, to finish a layup over that smaller opponent. So... And that's what gets me excited. But you talked about earlier that, look, defensively, if you can't defend, you can't play much under tips. The Pacers really need to improve defensively. They were like a turnstile on defense last year. And one of the worst defensive units, one of the best offensive units. Um, I just feel like this is someone that Jarris Walker could have the edge over him due to defensive capabilities. But how would you describe Obi? as a defender would you say at least capable defender that'll you know show effort because it's everybody knows hey you're going to get offense with obi top and but the defense is a little bit of a mystery yeah you're definitely gonna get effort there's not a time where i've watched obi where i'm thinking oh he's taking a playoff um missed rotation sometimes you know getting bullied that's going to happen depending on who the matchup is but for obi i you're not going to get a great defender i'm not going to sell you on that He's passable, depending on the depending on the matchup. Is he going to kill you? No, because that was the thing coming out of college that it made it seem like, oh, this guy, you can't even play him on defense. It's just going to be a turnstile every single night. I disagree with that. There are actually moments where I saw in the playoffs where he got into good positioning, was able to uh, poke the basketball loose, you know, from 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 his assignment. And there's times where he's able to deny. So for Obi comes down to like any other player comes based on the matches, but he's not going to be your defensive stalwart. So I would not tell you on that. You're still going to have, you're probably going to see moments where he's going to miss a rotation, but even if he missed a rotation, he's going to bust his butt to go close out, you know, but maybe that's another thing too. And Tom Thibodeau's type of system. I don't know what Rick Carl likes to run. So let me ask you guys this question and Tibbs, he runs a drop coverage, right? So there were, he's worried about protecting the paint. Everyone crowds in uh, around the block. And then if it gets kicked out to three, everyone bolting out, trying to close out on a three-point shooter. Is that similar to what Rick Carlisle does, or is it a different uh, scheme defensively? Yeah, we we don't usually play a lot of uh, drop coverage anymore. I think there's mm-hmm. been situations where they have. They've also gone to zone in, in different situations as well. 
But most of the time, I would say we saw a lot of switching mm. and communicating like that way. Uh, you know, because Carlisle, his offensive theory is dunks and threes, like no mid-range game whatsoever. I think Chris Duarte even said it in his rookie year. I love the <laughs> mid-range, but uh, Rick Carlisle calls it jail. So we're not allowed to shoot a lot there. So, okay, yeah. So I, I think that similarly, that's how they defend a lot of teams. Obviously, it always is matchup dependent, but like I think they prefer to be more switchable. And they have miles to protect the rim, but like you said, their defense has been so bad uh, the last couple of years. Andrew Nimhart, I remember, as times guarding guys like Kawhi Leonard, and it's like Nimhart, point guard, trying to guard this beast of a man, and, and Kawhi Leonard, it was just uh, a tough matchup for him. I mean, you know, I would not, like, if you're asking Obi, can Obi stop, like, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, that's, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but if that's, if you're doing more switching, that may be more beneficial to Obi, but once again, it depends on who's getting switched. Like if you're talking about someone like Dennis Schroeder, you know, and Obi gets switched onto him and he's got the ball, like that's going to be difficult for Obi to stop somebody like that just because of his speed. Um, if you're talking about a little bit more slower, methodical type player, Obi will be able to handle those type of switches. So maybe that works out for him. Um, maybe that's even better because without having to consistently rotate like you do in a drop coverage for Tom Thibodeau, that may give Obi less of issues of like how to read and and how to react and who do you cover. Yeah. So it, it, it that would be interesting for me to see uh, on how Obi handles the defense. Yeah, and, I, and I'm curious too because, you know, the defense is important, but I think offensively what his role is is going to be important too because – I know I've listened to a couple of different Knicks podcasts talk about how he would get stuck in the corner and wouldn't really be involved. And we've heard that Tyrese is excited to like play with him and throw alley-oops and stuff. But at the same time, I feel like there could be a little bit of a not enough ball to go around, depending on who's starting with this Pacers team. And if you look at the second unit, that could be there could be some scoring deficiency from that second unit where I think Obi could be more of a go-to guy with that second unit. So do you think that he could embrace taking on a role like that, being like the go-to scorer for a second unit in an NBA team? Or do you think he's more of a guy that would benefit from having that playmaker in a Tyrese to kind of set him up? He's more of a ben he's more of a beneficiary in okay. those type of systems. He, I, I would not it's not the, as of right now, I would not have Obi be the guy to initiate uh the Makes offense sense. and 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 to do that like that's that was like the whole conundrum with Julius Randle and Obi and you know among some of the fan base it's like okay Randle can actually get the ball and whether or not it's pretty he can at least do something and we saw that like this season right Randle two seasons ago was able to lead a team but he needed some help in order to get to his spots when he tried to do it his own didn't work out get Brunson here Randle's able to do that that's going to be the same thing for Obi Top. He's going to need somebody that can get him to his spots in order for him to excel. Like any team, like any team that's not the point guard, right? Like there's only there's only so many there's only so few players that are the wings, forward, power forwards, whatever that can initiate their own offense and get a bucket. But Obi, I, I, maybe he could be a sixth man. If that's what you're asking, but mm -hmm. I, I would have him running out there with Halliburton and really bending that defense just because of the speed they're gonna play with. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I do think when you talk about the speed, I mean, that is exactly why I think OB is ready to take off this year. And I really feel like when you go around the league of maybe, you don't want to say untapped potential, but guys that have not been able to show what they're capable of, Obi Toppin's been the name that's came to mind. I brought him up on this show for what feels like at least the last two years. One stat I was going through, this is such a random stat, but basically it was saying that, you know, in NBA history, of top eight picks, so, you know, eighth overall selections and up, uh, Obi played the eighth fewest minutes in NBA history. Uh, the guys above him were massive busts. You're talking about, like, an Anthony Bennett, Hashim Thabit. So I still feel like Obi has far more to show than what any of those guys were ever capable of. What is the size of the chip on the shoulder of Obi Toppin going into this year? playing with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who was second in the NBA in assists, playing in the style of offense that fits him and knowing that he's going to have a much larger role. He better has the biggest, he better have the biggest chip on his shoulder, man, because look, got to, um, you're talking about a a former college basketball player of the year, right? And and you get drafted eighth overall. The expectation on this side was that, uh, you know, there were rumors that Julius Randle was going to be traded when Obi Toppin was selected. Unfortunately, Obi gets injured during the beginning of that season back in 2020. And then next thing you know, Randle decides to go supernova, becomes his all-star, all-NBA player. Now you have an eighth pick, eighth overall pick. They're like, eh, it's kind of tough to say you're going to deserve some minutes, especially in his first year where he struggled up until the playoffs. And then Randle's just performing. And then you're going to go after what Randle did. You're like, Gave him the extension. You'll give your guy another chance to perform again. Even though he didn't perform well, there were still moments where Obi should have gotten more minutes. But still, you're going for Tibbs. He's like, I got to trust my guy who balled out last season 
and it's just been a struggle. But he should have the biggest chip. You know, around here, depending on who you talk to, you're either an OB truther that he can give you more or you're like he doesn't do anything outside of dunks and that's it. And he's bad on defense and, you know, all the negative connotations that you can go with him. And it's like he will not be anything bigger. So it depends, you know, the the, the fan base is split on him. I think at the end of the day, they all some could come into the middle and be like, you know, we wish this kid had an opportunity, but in reality, he didn't show anything enough on the court to 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 demand even more minutes. When some could argue back saying, Well, how how can you say he didn't do enough when you're gonna give your all NBA guy all those minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It's a catch twenty two where it's like, Oh, he should have worked harder for it. How can he work harder if you're got a guy who's going all NBA right now? It's tough, but you know- I hope I hope he performs, man. I think he, I think he can. I think he can too. And a quick follow up is this is the most together I've seen Pacer fans and Knicks fans because the Knicks fans were not bashing Obi. They were saying you got a good one, give him an opportunity. Like, hey, this guy is going to be mm. good for you. And I I just feel like there was a lot of Knicks fans saying we sh- should have done a little bit more with him. Like, this is a guy that was you know from New York, wanted to be a Nick. You know, all of that stuff. And now I just feel like Knicks fans are kind of happy for him. But also, like, man, we didn't get enough in that trade for a guy that was, you know, the eighth overall pick. So I want to thank you guys for doing what you did. We're really excited over here. Oh, man. Well, no no problem, Doc. And I'm sure you get uh, the best of both worlds because <laughs> you're, you're from New York. You're a Pacers fan. You get it, it all worked out here. perfectly. You know, oh, uh, I'm sure you're thrilled over here to be getting a New York, a New York grown talent in Obi Top and playing for your team, the Indiana Pacers. Oh man, what a life! <laughs> well, I will say this: I think that Obi Toppin will have more than a chip on the shoulder just because it's a contract year too, and mm-hmm. he's going to want to get paid. I think he's going to want to prove himself because that's the biggest thing, obviously. Like not getting the minutes that he probably thought he deserved. I don't feel like he had a bad attitude about it. Maybe you have a different read on that. Maybe he was more uh, open with the media talking about his playing time. But it seemed like both sides were trying to work out a deal. So let me just ask you this because you probably know a lot better than I. Did Obi ever cause issues in terms of like frustrations with his playing time? Or was he just a, a soldier that came to work every day and didn't allow that stuff to get into the media? The latter. Gotcha. He, he's a guy that comes in, does his work every single day, always had a smile on his face. Um, but you saw it. This season, you definitely saw the frustration. Yeah. Um, there was a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers after Julius Randle goes down against the Miami Heat. Uh, it was a Friday game against the Cavs, and RJ missed him out in transition. And you see, and you see there's just tension on the court because this is Obi's opportunity to finally get some starters minutes. Randle's out before the playoffs. RJ at times is known to have blinders on when he when he's driving in transition and doesn't find his teammates. Obi was wide open. RJ completely misses him. And then you see Obi just, you know, get into like, you know, competitive argument with him on the floor. Like, not that he hates him, but he's just like, yo, man, like you, you, you know how it is when you play pickup basketball. And you're like, you've been wide open. You're like, yo, man, pass me the rock. Yeah. And, and like he definitely said something to RJ because RJ just stood right up from his chair and it was just like they were about to get into it. And, you know, all squares, all, all you know, doesn't boil over, get squashed, 
go back out there. They all perform. RJ finds OB stuff like that, you know. But then you also had um, the leak audio and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it was reported by Fred Katz where Obi was uh, not too thrilled to not play at the second half of all in game game four against Miami where the Knicks lost, and you know he had some words for Tom Thibodeau, and you know he was frustrated, and, and you could hear at that point, man, it's like it's the playoffs. You know he he was just. You know, whether or not you look at the first round of saying he did a lot, man. He he really that's the, this is the thing about Obi Toppin. It's tough to get into rhythm with only 12 minutes, especially when your coach is this season's asking you to be like Steve Novak, be like, all right, man, you're gonna stick out in the corner, drain some threes when you can. It's like that's not my game, coach, but yeah. I'll do it for you because you're asking me anyway. Um, so he's doing that. And then when it comes to playoffs, first round. He played the most efficient basketball, which he's known to do is play hyper efficiently in his minutes. He did that. He did all of his, he did everything he needed to do in that first round series to a T for the limited minutes that he got. And then when you go into the second round against Miami, you know, he plays like first quarter against Miami, doesn't play in the second quarter, plays third quarter against Miami, doesn't play in the fourth quarter. Game one, where he was our best three point shooter, spaced the floor for us, and Tibbs doesn't put him back out there. Second round was had so many questionable coaching decisions. And so when you see all these questionable coaching decisions and he gets to game four and you don't get to play and, and he's blowing over, he's like, yo, man, I can help. I'm competitive. I want to get my minutes. And he gets those minutes in games five and he, he's hyper-efficient again. When he touched the court, good things happen. That's the one thing I'll say about Obi. When he touches the court, good things happen, hyper-efficient uh, for most of the time in that limited role. Um I'm curious to see what he does with a, with a larger workload, but definitely a guy who comes in, like you ask him to do anything. He, he's shown that throughout his entire time in New York. So I shared the stats earlier, you know, in his 15 starts of what they were, but when he actually played 28 minutes or more, he averaged 25 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 54% shooting from the field and 43% from the field uh, from three. So his numbers even tick up. So, Awesome to see. Look, we're not expecting him to get 28 minutes a night by any means. Maybe closer to, you know, say, I don't know, 22 to 25, anything in that range. But I just feel like, was there, when you saw the trade compensation that returned back to the Knicks, was there a part of you that thought, man, why didn't the Knicks ride this out until maybe the trade deadline and then probably could have gotten something similar? Or was it just time to move on for both sides? No, I was not. Uh, and there's some, there's some in the fan base, you know, that's the cool thing about Knicks fan TV, you know, to call and show everyone taps in, calls and gives their opinions, and, and you have people all over the place, whether it's like loving Obi, hating Obi. We got too little. This is the right time. For me, it's you know, I thought this was the right time for him to get moved. I, I did not it's tough to for him to come back into training camp and we have the same conversation as a fan base. And I can't imagine the organization. All right, all right, guys, when are we gonna get Obi Top and his minutes this year? And it's like, <laughs> look, man. If you're talking to Tibbs, he's like, look, man, I, I have an all-star caliber guy. He's getting 36 minutes. Yeah. It, it's tough. Like, wh- 36, the other 12 goes to this guy. And you're like, I don't know. Like, that's it's going to be tough. So to have that conversation, again, I think it was time. And, and shout out to Keith Smith of Spotrack. Uh, he did talk to some Nick executives. And in his article, uh, they knew it was time for Obi. They said, and the, they said, quoted, it's time for Obi to go get more minutes and go get more playing time. So as an organization, I think they recognized it that, well, they did recognize by saying it, but they also 
like what more value could you get out of it? Like I was not shocked that it was only two second rounders. Like maybe you want a, a late first from the Pacers, but the reality is he went from 17 to 15 from two to three. Now, mm -hmm. if I'm a team, I'm like, that's great that you think he has all this potential. How come he didn't play him then? Like that's yeah. always going to be the retort. So the two second rounders, I wit like I would have loved to have gotten more, but it, it's just realistic based on the playing time and the situation here in New York. Mm. Yeah, and that's a great point because I think when the Pacers traded Chris Duarte, people thought, oh, am I going to first for this? But they got two seconds, and I think those seconds ended up being a little bit better than what the the Knicks got for Obi Toppin because I know there was some like weird, like the, the, the worst of or the least favorable of. Mm -hmm. So like it wasn't great second-round picks either, which is always interesting when there's all these weird protections on second-round picks. But another thing that's Knicks-related, Pacers-related, I know that these talks kind of – died yesterday because campaign was ultimately dealt to the San Antonio Spurs, but there was some rumblings about, Hey, uh, Evan Fournier to the Pacers with some potentially, you know, TJ McConnell going to Phoenix. And I think Jordan Moore's name was mentioned in there. He probably would have had to go back to the Knicks and this kind of stuff and this kind of deal. But Evan Fournier is a guy that I know the Knicks are trying to get off of his money, give him a chance to go somewhere else. What are your thoughts on that? trade rumor that went out there and is there potentially a trade where the Pacers can kind of bypass Phoenix and, and make a, make a trade here between Indiana and New York once again, or maybe we take on Evan Fournier's contract for, you know, two players on the Pacers roster. I would be very interested in Jordan Wara as a, as a, cause he played power forward for you guys. Right. And he's, yeah. a, he's mm -hmm. a good three point shooter. And yeah, you know, that's what Tibbs wanted from that four position. A guy who makes more sense. At the four. Yeah. It, it, that's, you know, we did a whole, trade scenario show on uh, Knicks fan TV. And I did have Jordan Nuora. Here, here's a trade. I think the trade was, uh, it was Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin. Cause everyone on, everyone on Knicks fan TV, it, it, it's two centers that everyone's got to talk about miles Turner. And then you have some Carl Anthony town hive. And I'm just like, no to cat. Uh, and I'm not the biggest miles Turner guy. I'm just like, I, I want to actually know your opinion on miles Turner in a second, but for, I was like, all right, just to it, just just for the sake of it, it was Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin, for Miles Turner, and uh, Jordan Noir. And I'm like, reasons why? Because you get two guys that can help space the floor for the Knicks. You want to help out Brunson, Randall, RJ. There you go. Don't doesn't matter on the units. Um, so I would be interested in someone like Jordan Noir playing the floor. But now I have a question for you guys. I know I'm 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 supposed to be on here, and you guys are supposed to be no, interrogating me about Obi Toppin. But can you please give me some information about Miles Turner? What you guys think about him? <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll start. Look, Turner's coming off of a career year for a while, viewed as you know the best shot blocker in the league. I think he's one of the best shot blockers in the league. But what you also love is his three point capabilities. So. Not a great rebounder. Seven and a half rebounds last year was it was the, the most for him. But this is someone who at times had flirted with that 38% shooting from three. So you're going to get a really good shot blocker who can hit threes. Sounds like someone Tibbs would love compared to a Mitchell Robinson where you're going to get shot blocking. You're going to get rim protection. You're not going to get that three-point shooting. So for Turner, one of the best things was he signed a two-year extension. The Pacers were able to get crafty with it, give him the remaining extra money they had left over, and extend him for two years at roughly, I think it's between twenty to twenty-two million dollars, which is fantastic for what he brings to the table. So I think that Turner, good, good, really good center, not going to be an all-star in this league, but you know, you look at the rest of the centers out there. 
Carl Anthony Towns, who in a couple of years is going to be making triple what Miles Turner is making. Yeah, yeah, give me Turner over Cat all day in, in regards to saving $40 million a year. Yeah, and I'll just kind of jump on that and, and piggyback that com- that comment. So basically what happened was, obviously, we didn't know it was in the, uh, the renegotiation and extension for Miles Turner. They, t- they tacked on an extra $19 million last year on his contract, and they gave it to him, I think, in February. Maybe it was late January. And so, you know, that $19 million was on last year's books for only a couple of months. So this upcoming season, he's got $21 million, I think, and the next year it's twenty. It's actually descending, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty impactful for the Pacers with their roster building, being able to get that with them. I think Miles Turner had a career year last year, one, because he finally got to be the solo five playing next to a guy like DeMontis Sabonis. It was very difficult. And one of the things that we saw that was a challenge for him was opponents were putting their power forwards on him and putting their centers on Sabonis. So he couldn't do Mm -hmm. as much with a power forward on him because he's not really a post-up guy. And when he's out there on the perimeter, uh, wasn't really able to get past those guys because they're quicker. Mm. So with the Pacers this year, they did start Jalen Smith at the power at the power four position for about 20 games. And teams quickly started doing the same thing, putting their centers on Jalen Smith and their power forwards on Miles Turner. And he went through a bit of a slump. They took him out, Jalen Smith, that is, put Aaron Neesmith in at the power four position, and Miles just really started to blossom. So I think if you can have a power forward that's a true power forward and not someone that's going to be almost like a five squeezed into a four, that's going to help. Uh, the three-point shooting was much more improved with Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner's even talked about it. Like uh, Tyrese will find you if you're open. We saw Miles take a step forward in his physicality down low last year. He did actually develop a little bit of a post move, and he's improved a lot. I think that the biggest concerns for Miles going uh, back in the day were one: can he be tough enough? Because there was this persona around him as a as a soft player, and I know people hate using that word, but that's kind of what fans called him a lot of times. Uh, It just wasn't physical enough, not as big of an enforcer rebounding wise. And yeah, he is a great shot blocker, but let's not confuse ourselves. He is not good at switching that well. Uh, He can recover because he's long, but he can get caught where he just, the the opponent is able to get by him with their speed. So I think Mitchell Robinson probably has some beat on the switchability aspect of it and definitely on the rebounding side of it. But I know Mitchell Robinson's not an outside presence like Miles Turner. So Turner really stepped up his game. And, you know, we were pretty hard on him. We thought they were going to trade him. I think there was a lot of speculation with him being a multiple trade rumors for multiple years, um, especially with Sabonis here, because Sabonis, whether you like Miles Turner better or not, fit-wise, I think everybody that's uh, understanding realizes that Sabonis is the overall better talent. But I think Miles Turner in today's modern NBA, it's a little bit easier to build around him because you don't have to play a certain way like you do with DeMontis Sabonis. So that's kind of where everybody's at with it. I know this is like a long answer for Miles Turner, but I just, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I feel like definitely a guy that, I'm trying to say this in a nice way, like definitely a guy that was not living up to the expectations, kind of an underwhelming player, but then he proved himself last year. And I think, you know, the fact that they were able to get that extension done was huge. And the fact that Phoenix matched that DeAndre Ayton offer sheet, Really, it all played out well for the Pacers last year, and it could have really hindered their ability to move in different directions with their optionality in the, in the upcoming off seasons by not having that max contract on there. And that, and this is why I asked, and I, Alex, you said at like the last point where you know you talked about the extension not living up to the hype, and that's kind of what I've that's been my perception of Miles Turner this entire time in the NBA. It's mm-hmm. like, oh well, he could shoot threes, and it's like, well, it's not consistent enough on a nightly basis. It's like, all right, he'll go nuclear from three one night 
the other the other next two nights he'll go cold, right? And you at least want someone who's consistent. It's like when it's like you'll see the Julius Randle stat where he's made the most threes, right? This season amongst bigs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, he shot 34%. Of course, he's gonna make a lot if he's taking about eight, nine attempts per game. Like it's just it's gonna happen if you shoot at 34%. So that's just kind of like what I want to know out of out of the whole Miles Turner situation. Because for me, it's like all right, so you now you trade someone who who's good, especially for a coach that wants defense all the time for someone yeah. like Miles Turner. If you're not going to get that, you know, great shot blocker, but if you're not going to get elite style rim protection that you get from Mitchell Robinson, if you're not going to get that rebounding, which Tibbs' teams have always been top 10 in, in rebounding, it's kind of tough for me to be like, I look at this archetype of a player and say, this makes sense just for offense, which Tibbs is not an offensive driven. So yeah, it's just tough for me to really buy into that just because schematically it, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. My, my last question for you, Alex, before we wrap is we saw the Knicks have success last year. Hey, got out mm-hmm. of the first round. Awesome. The last time the Knicks were in the playoffs and came, came up short against the Hawks in a series that I think all NBA fans enjoyed, the Knicks went out and they, they spent money, but they didn't spend it in the best way. Talking about Derrick Rose getting a new deal. New Orleans Noel, I believe Alec Burks got more money. Evan Fournier got the contract. So it was like money was spent all around. And then the Knicks slowly kind of got a lot of those contracts off the books. Still got Fournier. This year, the Knicks were very patient. I mean, sure, they they got rid of Obi Toppin, but you brought in Dante DiVincenzo. You didn't have a draft pick. You're kind of rolling back with the same squad from last year. Resigning Josh Hart, definitely, or, you know, having him opt in, very important. How do you feel about the Knicks going into this uh, season coming up, knowing that you didn't really make those moves, but you, you know exactly what you're getting out of this team? feel fine with it you know I think when you're looking at the landscape of what's happening this offseason you know you see Bradley Beal getting moved you see James Harden wants to get traded out of the east you you know uh still waiting on Jalen Brown to get extended by the Boston Celtics you have Damian Lillard who wants to go down to Miami Miami losing key guys and Gabe Vincent and uh Max Struess so the NBA is just a consistently changing landscape but for a team like the Knicks who you know prior to this prior to the success they had starting Two uh back in the 2020-2021 season when Randall finally became, you know, all-star all NBA player. It was just down, man. Like we didn't have a really great season outside of the 2012-2013 season with Carmelo Anthony. And from there, you know, a year that was underwhelming after the on Andrea Bargnani trade. And now it's just been down to the dump. So to see something like this where it's just stability, you know who's on the team, you know what you're gonna get this upcoming season, it's fine. I think most Knicks fans are accept it. Like the now the question is when are you going to trade or go get that all-star, right? Go get that true guy, that true number one dude. You know, you hear Joel Embiid talking today, like, you know, whether it's Philly or not, or somewhere else uh, to want, he just wants to win a championship. And you're like, Oh, well with the CAA connections that the Knicks have, could they potentially go get someone like Joel Embiid? You know, that's now the next step. It's like, you got, you got Jalen who, Awesome offseason signing last year. Like what he oh, did, definitely to- underrated, highly underrated last season. You know, he should have been an all NBA type of player. He should have been an all star just for what he did because without him, the Knicks yeah. aren't where they are this season. Like that, that's just facts. That is just facts right there. Um, but I think it's fine, man. They were on a 50 game win pace. The question is, could they build together as a unit now that you have more consistency? Could they add, you know, I think what this team is. On the front office, it's a lot of hope on the internal talent of like RJ quickly and Grimes taking that next step. And I think they're they'll they're more willing to bank in on that 
than they are to go just go out and just start wheeling and dealing and really shaping the roster and asking somebody who's going to probably need more touches, right? Because you go into the season, it's like, okay, we already know who the three dogs are, right? Yeah. It's Brunson, Randall, RJ. There you go. Maybe Grimes shows out and he can take some touches away from uh, RJ. You also know quickly he's going to be your sixth man, right? Maybe they can all improve in that aspect, but it's been, it's been a fine offseason signing, man. I, I mean, DiVincenzo, it, for me, I'm like, at this point with the DiVincenzo signing, what's the next move? Because we have too many guards. It's just yeah. too many guards. Too many guards. So I'm wondering what's the next move. And, and with that, it now opens up the Knicks to make a trade, trade some draft capital. It's like someone wants quickly. You're telling me you're getting like a superstar in return and he's got to be thrown into the deal with whatever other players. Maybe it is an ever forty to match contracts and you hold on to him for right now. You're not going to be hurting because you got Dante DiVincenzo, Grimes, and still everybody else. We're not just emptying the war chest. So it's been a, it's been a fine offseason. It's not flashy, but that's just kind of what it's been the that's been the tone the last couple of seasons with Leon Rose at the helm. It's not flashy. It's all right, you know. You know, Doc. I know you mentioned all those previous offseason signings with uh, Rose, but you hope he was able to. To have the same six man performance he did the season before. Fournier, you hope for shooting that we needed, didn't work out. Alec Burks, underrated. Man's yeah. underrated. That's the guy. Like, honestly, if we had him on the bench this, this past season, it would have been different because of his isolation scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did have a good run there. So uh, I think the Knicks are playing it smart, though. Keep all their you know, options available to them, don't rush into anything stupid. And there's going to be a big trade coming because we've seen it too often with big name players ready to win. And I think that, like you said, having that war chest available to to dump out for a player. And I think Joel Embiid is the guy that makes the most sense right now. We'll see what happens to James Harden. But I think that what's happening on Philly definitely is something to keep an eye on if you're a Knicks fan, just because you guys have the assets to go out there and get a player like Joel Embiid, unless Daryl Morey just is so hard to deal with. But Alex, we want to thank you so much for coming on, man. Go ahead and let us know where we can find all of your great content, what you guys have going on at Knicks Fan TV. Well, Alex and, and Doc, appreciate you guys having me on and, and talking about uh, Obi Toppin, the Knicks, and giving me some insight on Miles Turner. And for everyone tuning in, uh, you can all find me with everybody else over at Knicks Fan TV. It's the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Knicks Fan TV. We cover all 82 games. We got game previews. We got play-by-play. We got post-game. You can find us after every single post-game for all 82 games. We got Knicks Weekly, where it's 24-7 around the Knicks over there, all right? So you can go find us over there. You can go check out the NBA report, which is under that same umbrella, uh, NBA channel we just started. So if you want to go just listen to general NBA talk, uh, you can go check us out over there. And then uh, make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. We got some awesome writers over there covering the team as well. But Alex, Mike aka doc appreciate you guys for for having me on again absolutely, absolutely. Man. hey keep yeah keep with awesome work and uh we'll have to do it again sometime because hey you might just be seeing the pacers uh you know down the line we're coming but all right all right before, before yeah, we get we off, i want to get i want to get i want to get some sentences from you guys how do you guys feel about your pacers this upcoming season uh here's what i'll say 29 and 20 time 29 and 29 with tyrese halliburton last year so we were 500 team before Halliburton went down we were the sixth seed I think the Pacers made smart moves to get better I think we could be pushing in that play-in category somewhere you know the sixth seed is going to be tough but anywhere between you know I guess you don't want to say seven to ten but you know somewhere in that range where we could be a 500 team that's what I'll say this year 
Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I would say they're probably anywhere from the 7 to 10 range. I think they're going to make the play-in for sure this year. They just got too – I just think they got a lot better. Didn't really lose any of their main pieces. Like you, Their free agents that they lost were George Hill, James Johnson, and O'Shea Brissett, and they bring in Obi Toppin, draft Jairus Walker, and Bruce Brown. I think those are significant upgrades over those three players with the roster – um, and it's just kind of going to be hard to find the actual minutes for these guys on this team right now because there's a there's a logjam in the backcourt and in the in the front court quite a bit actually with the centers we have. So we'll see what happens there. But I uh, I definitely think it'd be fun to see a Knicks Pacers playing game maybe or even a mm. playoff series. Love to hear Wally Zerbiak try to throw some more shade <laughs> at Tyrese Halliburton because that's the inspiration we'll we ready. need. We are ready for that, but. Uh, other than that, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting this year because Sixers are a question mark. Miami, if they get Damian Lillard, I think they likely will. They become more of a serious threat. I don't like the moves Boston made. I don't I don't think that they actually did mu- anything to really push themselves forward. I think they're going to stay the same or maybe even take a step back. Uh, just my personal thoughts: getting rid of Marcus Smart. It's a big deal to me, especially putting all your money in the uh, Malcolm Brogdon saying healthy basket uh, to play some backup points. Yeah, and Porzingis. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think there's a chance you could even see the Knicks be a three seed this year. That's how I think the way everything's playing out, that's a possibility based on what's going on. But a 4-5 Pacers-Knicks matchup, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Uh, we'll see what the Cavs do, obviously, as well. But I'm a, I'm for a Knicks-Pacers series. Bring me back to my fun days in the 90s and the early 2000s. <laughs> Hey, that'd be great. But even if you guys are the three seed and we're the six, because I know it's going to take a little bit, but – what the Knicks and the Pacers are doing, they're keeping their options open. Both teams are stacking draft capital. The Pacers are doing that. The books look real clean. I think that we're in that same spot you guys are, waiting for that next player to become available that you can pursue via trade. And I really think that's the next step for both franchises. Absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, Alex. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. And uh, like Fachi said, we'll get you back on here soon. And, uh, Definitely be checking out Knicks Fan TV. Maybe we'll have to call in some time and just troll you guys just to mess with you. <laughs> we'll be waiting. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.